There's a spirit at Bryan Health, a passion that says we can make it better, stronger, to raise our kids, to build our future, to move forward together. It's time for another Bryan Health podcast. Here's Melanie Cole. We all know it's hard to feel optimistic if you're living paycheck to paycheck and your finances are not quite where you'd like them to be. My guest today is Jeremy Polensky. He's an investment advisor for First National Bank. Jeremy, we're so glad to have you with us to tell us about financial wellness for millennials. Let's start with what do you consider financial wellness? What does it mean to be financially well off? Yeah, well, I mean, you have a lot of different aspects that can play into your financial wellness, whether that's retirement, which is a long-term goal for a lot of people, or maybe it's uh, short-term goals like buying a house or saving for education. Uh, so financial wellness to me is is understanding what your goals are, um, whether long or short, and figuring out what is the best way that you can actually plan for that to make those goals happen realistically as well. Um, and so, you know, that's, I think that's kind of what we want to cover today is really, you know, looking at those types of goals, what's the best way to position myself to have a better financial future. It certainly is. And what do you see are the biggest fears that millennials have? There's a lot of, I think, fears that we have. Um, you know, being a millennial myself, I I guess kind of on the higher end of being a millennial, a couple of fears that I have are are for the future in the sense of um, if we look at our parents' generation, we see that they have pensions. They didn't have as high of health care costs. They're dealing with that now, but they didn't have that when they started retirement. They might have uh, Social Security, which is something that we might not be able to utilize when we're older. And so, you know, those are some fears that I think about when my generation starts getting into retirement. And I think one of those problems uh, or a problem that may arise is that we're not planning for those types of things. We're not thinking about those things because the information is not getting out there, Um, which I guess this is awesome that we're providing this resource to people to try to educate them on having a better financial future and, uh, and, you know, trying to build for that future. Then let's get right into some tips to stop living paycheck to paycheck. And what are some common mistakes that millennials make with their money? Yeah, I think we uh, underutilize the power of budgeting. Uh, I think people know what budgeting is, but they don't actually fully get into budgeting as to making it effective for them. Um, budgeting can be great for not only knowing what income is coming into you, but what's going out. And then you can kind of see how much is going to things that you don't necessarily need. Maybe it's memberships out there. Maybe it's, um, you know, you go out to eat way too much, but people don't understand that unless they see it on paper. Uh, so budgeting is one of those things, um, that, you know, if you want to stop living that paycheck to paycheck life, that's what's going to, that's going to be the first thing that helps you get out of that. Um, and along with that, you, you want to cut back expenses, kind of like I just said. But when you're budgeting, you want to try to figure out um, how you can put extra money onto that debt or uh, how you can put extra money into that savings and, and make that a common theme into your budgeting and so that it's just automatic. The last thing that kind of helps with that stop uh, stopping paycheck to paycheck living is 
uh, quitting the credit card. And I know some people know how to fully utilize a credit card and they're good with it, but uh, the majority of people think that they know how to use a credit card, but then end up just racking up credit card debt that they can't get out of. And so my thought is if there's ever been a time or if it's a frequent occurrence that you don't pay off that credit card in full every month, that you just need to stop that. Don't worry about the rewards and and start, you know, using cash or something that's going to help you get more budget friendly. What are we saving for? Are are we going to use this money in the future? Are we saving it for our children or so that we can retire one day? You know, it's it's hard because nobody knows if you're going to be able to use this money, kind of like insurance, right? Um, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. You might be saving all this money and then the unexpected happens and uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter, or you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future with our economy or anything like that. But what I say and what I plan for is, um, you know, is to plan for that things are going that I'm going to need that money. And, and kind of like I mentioned before, the reason why we want to save this money, the importance of us saving this money, is because we're not going to have mo- the majority of millennials are not going to have pensions. there's a possibility that we won't have uh, Social Security, which are guaranteed income sources for retirees right now, which helps them feel comfortable. But if you put it into perspective, let's say that you build up a million-dollar portfolio, and let's say that our average withdrawal rate on that portfolio is 4%. That's just kind of a broad average range. That means on your million-dollar portfolio without any other income, that's going to provide you a $40,000 income per year. More than likely, uh, that's not enough, right? Especially with inflation and things like that. Mo- the majority of people cannot survive on 40000 And so that kind of shows you the impact. Having a million-dollar portfolio is not necessarily going to provide you a ton of income. And so, you know, kind of what I say is, yes, you want to have fun in the short term, right? We, I, I don't think that it's good to, you know, not do anything fun and just save all your money and things like that. But you want to plan for the long term. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where, you know, maybe doing a financial plan to understand how much you need to put back and things like that. That's where that comes to an advantage for you as well. Jeremy, what about school loans? How can millennials get out from under those school loans enough to start saving some money? Yeah, that's a great question. And I know that probably 95% of the people listening to this are probably in that, that boat there, and including myself. And it, it is a, a juggle there as to what to do. Um, there's great resources out there, um, different companies that will help refinance student loans to help pay it off quicker at a lower interest rate. Um, that you know, I, I I can't specifically name the companies, but there's a ton out there that that I think are are beneficial. One thing that I do caution people on is um, creating this plan where um, you know you don't invest anything for retirement and you just put everything on uh, on debt, which I think in theory is a fantastic idea. However, what, uh, what I start seeing over time is that they don't stick with their debt payoff plan and therefore um, they don't start saving for retirement and they wait 15, 20 years to start saving for retirement and you just can't make up that time. So not that you need to... Um, you know, put everything into retirement. You need to put every. You need to put a lot into your debt as well. But you kind of want to have a mixture of both. I th- I think when you're paying off debt and student loans, put the majority onto your debt to pay that off. 
but don't neglect retirement. Keep putting at least something in there, whether it's your 401k match or even $50, $100 a month into an IRA of some sort. Um, you do want a mixture of both. When you're talking about retirement money, where do health care costs figure into this future? For this age group, they're not always thinking about the increasing health care costs and whether they'll have health insurance at that point or whether Medicare will still be around or pay for what they need. How do we figure for health care costs? Yeah, that's where I think a, a well-done financial plan comes into play um, in the sense of let's just take a normal inflation rate on just income, and that's usually roughly about 2 to 2.5%. Two when we do a financial plan, we actually calculate medical costs at about 4 to 5% per year of inflation. So that means every year we're going to inflate those the, the, and adjust your uh, expenses on medical expenses about 4 to 5% per year. And uh, that's hard to... That's hard to uh, uh, calculate for. And, and so that's why I think going into more of a financial plan to try to understand how this is going to affect you in the future is going to be really beneficial for you. And that's also the reason why we need to start saving a, a lot more money because it's going to be a lot more expensive unless something happens. But again, I try to plan as to how things are progressing right now. And that is it is going to get more expensive. And so therefore, I, I, I try to put into my own uh, personal finances as to I need to save more to cover those expenses in the future. What should a breakdown of our paycheck look like with rent, mortgage, food, utilities, gas? How should we budget? Yeah. So I'm going to say this in percentages, of course, because, I mean, people have different paychecks. But I also want to make this not necessarily general, but I'm going to focus on the big items that I think will set you up for success and allow you kind of the opportunity to build your budget around them. And the primary one everybody knows is rent or mortgage or something you know along those lines. And what I say for that is 25% of your after-tax income is what you should allot for your mortgage. Now, that's not saying if you have already you know bought a house and you're paying more than that that you need to sell your home or anything like that. It's just going to take a little more work to work around that budget. But if you're looking at buying a home or you're looking at renting, 25% of your take-home pay is probably the max that I would take that. Um, the other thing that I think is is very important is that savings. Everybody thinks or asks the question, how much should I be saving? I think a good uh, starting rate would be about 10% of your uh, pay going into your 401k and getting that match and things like that. Um, 10% is good. And, you know, working your way up to 15% if you feel comfortable. Now, not everybody can go 10% right away. Maybe you have to start at 5 or 6%. And then every year, may, you, you just increase that. And as your pay goes up, don't increase your living expenses all the way. Um, maybe try adding more into your 401k or IRAs and try to, you know, save a little more there and build up your percentages. One more thing that I think will set you up for success in the future is having a what I call a Dagnabbit uh, a budget. And I, I put that on my budget. And what that is is things come up. Um, and I put this about uh, 5 to 10% of income. Things come up all the time, whether it's these birthday parties for kids that come up or your tire pops or, you know, just added expenses that always seem to come every month. And so I budget for that. Um, and, and I think everybody should because if you don't budget for that, it's always going to come up and you're never going to be able to be within your budget. 
And then the last thing that I think is very important is giving. And whether it's to a, a religious organization or a charitable organization, uh, there's a couple there's a couple advantages that I think uh, you have with giving. And that is that I, I think it changes a mindset of uh, of money because money a lot of people grasp onto, but once they have the heart of giving, um, then you know that that really takes your mind off. Uh, you know, maybe wanting other things and, and uh, you know, knowing the, the impact that money can have on other people. And so I, I, I do 10% on giving, and I know that maybe that's not where you need to start. Maybe you need to start lower than that and then work your way up. Um, but I think that's a very important aspect to budgeting and money, uh, financial wellness. Jeremy, other than this podcast, what resources do you recommend a young professional use or look to to help them manage their finances? Yeah, I have a couple of places that I go regularly just to get some um, quick tips or maybe just, um, you know, help me feel better about what I'm doing. Uh, the first one is I am a very big Dave Ramsey fan. Um, I think that his concept of how to manage money is uh, is top-notch, right? You pay down your debt, um, you know, using cash and uh, really not it comes to not buying things that you can't afford, essentially, right? Um, I, I like, he has this quote, live like no one will to live like no one can. Um, and I think that's that's perfect, right? It might take a little bit of, um, you know, work at the start, but in the future, it's going to definitely pay off. Um, so he has the Financial Peace University, the blog, uh, and that's all online. Um, a, a couple of other things that I go to is there's this one uh, uh, one blog that's called Mr. Money Mustache, and he just gives you tips on how to uh, you know live a simple life as well as a, a group called the Minimalists, and and they're very extreme. I you know I'm, I don't do that, but I think the concept of what they're trying to create is good in our generation. Um, and then as far as you know, resources and tools that they can use. There's budgeting apps all over the place. Um, you know, Mint is one, and uh, uh, Personal Capital is one, and, and they're there to help you really figure out how to budget and just give you a guide to budget. Um, so I would definitely recommend you utilizing those, as, as well as there's a lot of savings apps, whether it's investment apps or, um, you know, just personal savings that help you understand how to start saving uh, for retirement or other purchases. So um, I can't, of course, say specific examples on those, but they're out there for, for people to research and, and utilize. And the last thing I'd like to say, and in, in probably my best advice, is that everybody young and old could benefit and should uh, get a financial plan in place. That's going to help them understand what they need to budget for. That's going to help them understand um, how much they need to save for retirement, what they're looking at for expenses potentially in retirement. And let's be clear, doing a plan in, at a millennial age, it's going to change in the future, but at least gives you something to work towards. Um, every financial institution has some sort of financial plan. There's some online that you can look up and you can uh, kind of uh, – uh, get get ideas from from online, but regardless of who you do it with, where you go, it's going to be beneficial for you. So that would be my primary advice: is to uh, is to do a financial plan. 
Thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on with us today. It's great information for not only millennials to hear, but baby boomers as well, because we're all kind of in the same boat and unsure of our financial situation and not always sure of how to budget. So thank you for that great information. And thanks to our Brian Foundation partner, MAPES Industries. This is Brian Health Podcast. For more information, please visit brianhealth.org. That's brianhealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.